You're listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your source for news, discussion, and debates about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, joined by Gene Henley once again. We want to welcome you in and say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you're new here, welcome in. Share the show. Uh, come back for next week's episode or the next episode we have. Uh, we really appreciate you tuning in. If this is your first time here or this is your second, third, fourth, 20th time, however many times you've listened, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find us everywhere podcasts are found, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, you name it, we're there. Subscribe to us today. Go follow us on Twitter at Vol Hoops Fever and like us on Facebook, Vol Basketball Fever on Facebook. Gene, a couple of things to talk about here. First of all, I do want to say congratulations to Tamika Catchings for getting enshrined in the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. A fantastic honor for a, a fantastic player. It's really cool to see uh, another one of the Meeks get into the Hall of Fame there. So congratulations off the top here to Tamika Catchings for getting inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. I wanted to throw that out here before we get into more of the meat of the podcast. To go to the men's side here, Gene, it's not anything official yet as of us recording this, but Tennessee did just finish up hosting a, another prospect on an official visit this week. And then he's also making his announcement on a Friday, August 27th. That is a point guard out of the Bronx, Zakai Ziegler. He is listed at 5'10", 165, 170. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, kind of his, his frame and whatnot. But Tennessee offered him not too long ago, actually, earlier this month. I think only a couple weeks ago they offered him. Uh, and he's picked up several different offers here in the last few months. Got one from Boston College. Uh, he visited Minnesota earlier this month as well. And they, I think they offered him back in July. So, again, here all in the last month or so, he's picked up offers from Minnesota, from Wichita State, um, from Boston College, and a few other schools as well. And including Tennessee, I think he said he has a, uh, a top four of Tennessee, Minnesota, Boston College, and Wichita State. So those four schools. But he's going to be announcing his commitment um, on on Friday, excuse me. And it seems very much so, Gene, that Tennessee is is the front runner here, and you know that it's it's going to be Tennessee he commits to, and that there's a chance that he's going to also be reclassifying from the 22 class to the 21 class. Because I think if I read somewhere correctly, he has already graduated from his high school, which is uh, our savior our savior Lutheran school up in the Bronx. He played in the Peach Jam in the EYBL over the summer and had an incredible performance there. He, I mean, he was lights out at the Peach Jam from everything I've seen. Uh, I've watched a few highlights from his game and stuff. But, I mean, looking at the stats and stuff he put up, he had a – I think he outplayed Jalen Duran in the, in the last game they played against each other when he played against Duran's team. Um, he is a guy that's kind of blowing up here this summer. He's a guy that had a really good last – this past season of, call, of, of high school, excuse me, I think he averaged like 20 points a game. He has a really good, from what I saw, assist-to-turnover ratio. I think in the that game against Team Duran, I believe he had 10 assists and zero turnovers, which is pretty impressive. Again, you know, take some of these stats with a grain of salt for these AAU games and things like that. But still, watching his 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 game on tape and stuff, he's very quick. He's not a bad creator, for especially for being a 5'10 guy. He, he moves really well, 
Um, not bad at creating his own shot. And I'm surprised he's able to get the shots off he is because, again, for his height. But, Gene, we've seen Tennessee specifically over the last few years get burned by some, you know, smaller guards. You know, not, not like Nate Robinson type guys, but some guys that are, that are smaller in the SEC, quick point guards that are able to get by uh, the, the main point of attack on defense and blow by Tennessee's defense and get into the paint, penetrate. And even if they don't score, they're able to draw the defense in, punch it back out to the to the um, perimeter and get a three-point shot open for the, you know one of their other guys out there. I think this is a, again, it's a take that I I think Tennessee staff does a good job of identifying talent. This is a guy that has drawn a lot of interest from uh, several different high major schools recently. Again, nothing official, but definitely looks like Tennessee is the team to beat for him as he's about to announce his commitment on Friday. I, I'm interested to hear your, your take on him, Gene, because I, th- I look at him as a guy that's obviously not a one-and-done, not even a, a two- or three-and-done. I think he's he's for sure, to me, I think he's a four-year guy. And I'm, I'm in the stance that you can never have too many good point guard options in college because what if, you know, what if Kenny Chandler gets hurt? What if next year, what if B.J. Edwards gets hurt? You know, you, you need – it's never, never a bad thing to have more ball handlers on your team and guys who you feel comfortable leading the attack. And you look beyond, again, Kenny Chandler's a one-and-done, barring injury. B.J. Edwards isn't one-and-done, but it's, not, it's still not a bad idea to have someone else be there um, behind him and to have competition. You don't ever want to just hand the reins over to a guy because they, they can get comfortable, get complacent, um, and you know that leads to not living up to your expectations. So I think overall, assuming Tennessee lands him, I like it. I, I, don't, I don't see that there's a massive downside if, if he ends up not working out. You took a risk on a guy. Hey, you can go, you know, replace his spot with a transfer later on. Like it, to me, it's not really a, it's not really a huge deal, especially nowadays with the the one-time transfer rule. I think it makes you can take flyers like this a little easier and not have not have to worry about it bogging down your roster numbers. Yeah. Um, so I had a teammate in college that was from Jersey, and I, I played a lot when I was younger with guys that were from Jersey, New York, um, all the, all the boroughs. And the thing that I learned was there's a, there's a toughness about those guys that they play with and it's a fearlessness. And there, I always laughed. I think back when I was younger, um, the way I always kind of perceived things was guys from, the North were really preoccupied with their ball handling and dribbling because that's like ant, the whole and one stuff was a big thing back then. Whereas people down here were more trying to like dunk on you and stuff like that, which is kind of a, just a subtle difference. Whereas nowadays everybody is a lot more well-rounded, but I think some of those, those other traits kind of, they, they carry on. Uh, and so when I see, I'm actually watching, I had not heard this before until you told me right before the podcast started. Um, I found some highlights of the kid and I see just that. I see a kid who's tough. Uh, and like, I don't think the size will be a deterrent. I mean, I mean, he, he's not going to be afraid of moments and you, you spoke of depth at that position. Um, I've always felt like a guy like Vescovi was better off the ball. And as you continue to bring in pieces who are more pure point guards that kind of, you know, 
confirms that fact. Um, and so now you've got Kennedy Chandler, and now you're potentially going to get the Ziegler kid who, uh, you know, who, who could be a tough piece. You don't necessarily need him to be the guy. Like, you still will probably need a guy like Vescovi or even Josiah Jordan-James or whoever, maybe Justin Powell, to kind of carry some of that that load as a as a, the primary ball handler in an offense or just one of many ball handlers because I don't think that Tennessee is going to be as dependent on a point guard all the time. I think the more ball handlers you have, the better you are as a team. This isn't you know, 1995 where you just say point guard, just do everything for us. You have a multitude of ball handlers. I, I mean, I think Chandler will be the primary one, but a lot of other guys will be able to initiate what they're trying to do. And if Ziegler comes on, then now you've just kind of added a piece late. Uh, yeah, you, you've added a piece late that you didn't necessarily think you were going to have. I mean, it, it kind of just, you know, it just kind of points to this like off season haul. I would say outside of Memphis, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure anybody's had a better off season, you know, like, I mean, I mean, there's no body that Tennessee has picked up in recruiting that is Imani Bates or Jalen Duran. No, and that's yeah. and that's apologies to Huntley Hatfield, who I think is really good. Really good. Uh, but there's nobody that is one of those two guys. So I, I would say maybe the second best off one of the, the two or three best off seasons in college basketball is the University of Tennessee. And I mean, you kind of piggybacking off what you said earlier um, quite possibly like just the fact that two of the best off seasons in college basketball are teams in the state of Tennessee which has never been looked at as one of the the state of Tennessee is not going to be confused for North Carolina when it comes to basketball or Kentucky when it comes to basketball or Michigan when it comes to college basketball so, and so like if people had said yeah man Two teams in the same state have had probably the two best off seasons in the sport. Like, oh, for real? What's Michigan, Michigan State? No. No. I mean, so Louisville and Kentucky? No. Duke and Carolina? No. Tennessee and Memphis? What? And I think that's a credit to what both Barnes and, you know, cringe Tennessee fans, Penny, have done. <laughs> um, I said it a few weeks ago. Guys like Penny with this whole, you know, this NIL stuff will kill. I think I probably, I think I pointed out that this was likely going to happen like two or three weeks ago on a podcast. Cause I, I mean, just some, I mean, a conversation I had and a couple things I listened to, you kind of heard that this was happening. And so, um, you know, it's, you know, ironically, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> You and you know, Nathaniel, you and I kind of we talked about the possibility because I thought like it was it Bates that was had alluded to possibly visiting Tennessee. Um, I, I remember Tennessee offered him. Yet yeah, I think there was a chance of him saying he was yeah. going to visit. Yeah, but that was months ago. But yeah, yeah, we kind of said it, you know, in jest. We talked about it in jest, but. You know, it's like, okay, the Michigan State thing, you know, that's whatever. He's going to go to the league, G League, whatever. 
and here he is, you know, enrolled at Memphis and committing. And so, you know, like it's still just, I think it's a credit to the state as a whole. I find that Tennessee Memphis game extremely intriguing now. Um, just because, I mean, this is so much bigger than the game three years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like I recall that was my first official game on the Tennessee beat. And um, it was it was an amazing environment. Uh, it was a great game. Uh, you know, obviously the stuff that happened late kind of, I don't want to say it marred it. I felt like Penny's reaction kind of marred what happened there a little bit. But, um, you know, the fist balled up stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, but this game trumps that because with apologies to that team three years ago, I think it may be better than this, this Tennessee team, considerably better. But there's a whole heck of a lot more people wanting to watch this year's game. Yeah, like, I, I want to get I want to get to that game a little bit more here in a second because I, I agree with you. I'm excited about it. Um, but I want I want to go back to Ziegler just for a second, and then I want to get to that Memphis game because that um, that Memphis game is very exciting. And for as we were just talking about, Imani Bates committing to Memphis, that's <laughs> only opened the stakes a little bit more. But to go back to Ziegler really quickly here, looking at. Um, what he did for the new Heights Lightning team at the EYBL. He was named the best performance. So they have different highlights. They have the MVP, which was Jalen Duran. Um, offensive player of the session was Tyrell Ward. Defensive player of the session was Brandon Miller, Tennessee target. Uh, top underclassman was Mackenzie Mbako. I think say his last name. I don't know. Uh, breakout player of the session was Otega Owa. And the best performance was Zakai Ziegler. In the write-up here, it said the new Heights Lightning enjoyed a terrific peach jam with the highlight being their wire-to-wire win over future champion team final. The highlight of the highlight game was unquestionably the offensive showcase put on by point card Zakai Ziegler. The 5'10 guard was unconscious from their perimeter, finishing the game with 23 points on 7 of 8 shooting from 3, 10 assists, 3 steals, and 3 rebounds. At one point in the first half, Lightning had hit 6 straight 3-pointers, with Ziegler accounting for 4 of them. The best part of the effort besides getting the win, Ziegler didn't turn the ball over once. So that, as I mentioned, yeah, 23 points, 10 assists, 0 turnovers, 7 of 8 from 3, 3 steals, and 3 rebounds in 25 minutes in that game. Um, so again, that's a really good performance. I was looking at his stats from his last year um, at in, in high school here. <clears throat> this guy averaged over 20 points a game. And I'm looking at his, his game logs, and he scored at least 20, I think, in all but like maybe four or five of the games he played in. And I think they only put, they played a shortened season, like I think like 15, 16 games or something like that. But I mean, this is a guy that does a good job of, man, he had nine steals in a game. I, I assume that's right. Nine steals and eight assists in a game along with 25 points against a, a team called Columbia that they played against. So I, he seems to me also to be like a, a pesky guy on, on defense. Like I, I wouldn't, you know, imagine he's going to be the most physical defender ever, but looking at him on film, like he's a, for being a 5'10", you know, 170 type of guy, he's built pretty w- pretty good, Gene. Like, he's a guy who's got pretty good muscle on him for, for his, um, you know, not being a, a big, like, you know, 6'3", 6'4", point guard. He's got some pretty good muscle on him. And I've seen a lot of Vol fans talking online already about the fact that, you know, we, you mentioned you don't think his size is going to be an issue. I've seen a lot of people say, you know, 
could he be like a Tyler Eulis or could he would he is he going to be more like a Quez Lover? Because those are two guys who you know were not the biggest guys and have had you know had two very different careers so far. Eulis was obviously a a star at Kentucky, especially in his second season, where he averaged seventeen and a half points, seven assists, um, three three rebounds a game. But he's only like what five eight, five nine, something like that. Uh, then Quez Lover again was a a here local kid here in Tennessee, was about the same size, about five. 10, 5'11", maybe. Um, but then he was at Florida for a little bit, then ended up transferring it down to a, a smaller school because, you know, didn't have what it took to really be in the SEC um, as, a, as a full-time starter. So, again, I I think I agree with Eugene from watching his highlights and stuff. Again, this is it's all highlights. It's, you know, I want to see what we can do. We actually get set on the court against SEC competition. But I don't expect him to be Tyler Eulis, but I think he's – I think he has more skills that it takes to – you know, be an SEC player than what Quez Glover did. That's no, that's no, you know, slight against Quez. Quez is a good player. I just think he's going to do better at a, you know, at a smaller school like he's at now. And I'm trying to remember where he transferred to. I'll, I'll look it up. But I think those are those are two schools that I've two players, excuse me, that I've seen like fans say, you know, he could be he could be this or he could be that. Um, so I yeah, Samford. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but I I don't I don't think it's fair to compare him to either of those. But I, I am intrigued to see because. I recall multiple times. It seems like I'm trying to remember some guys' names over the past few years. It seems like Tennessee's gotten burned by these like six foot point guards who were able just to blow by the guy at the top of the key and then cut to the paint and you know yeah. just torch Tennessee's interior defense that way. Well, let me let me say this: it's not fair to compare Tyler Eulis and Quez Glover. <laughs> no, it's not. Like, I mean, and that's no that's apologies to Quez Glover, but. Tyler Eulis was the number 19 player in the country yep, yep. Uh, in the composite and had offers from – he had 20 offers, uh, Kentucky, Iowa, Michigan State, Bama, Butler. I don't even feel like looking at the rest of them. What is that one offer according to 24-7 that was Florida? One. Now I'm assuming there were probably other things out there. Uh you know, but Quest was a three-star prospect. Uh, like, aside from the fact that they're both sub six feet tall, there's no comparison to be made between Quest Glover and Tyler Eulis. And again, I thought, like you, I thought Quest Glover was great. Wasn't I think he was the MVP of the state tournament the year they won it. Uh, great player, but again, I'm not going to do the thing where we compare two sub six feet. So you know, just the the comparisons end after you go past that. Right. It's like for the opposite end, like you, not all seven footers are made the same. Not all like six footer below guys are made the same either. Yeah, like there's just so many. You know, there's just so many things that are different there, and the the comparisons stop right once you get past that. And so, like, I'm not going to do that thing. Like, I don't know what this kid's going to be. I, again, I, as I said at the beginning, guys from, you know, guys from the Bronx, the Burroughs, there's a toughness that they play with. It's a toughness that they have. It's a toughness that's ingrained in them. Because, and again, like, not to mention a sub-six-foot-tall kid who is going to be tough because, like, man, we talked about it last week. Basketball is still a tall people's game. And if you're going to be good enough 
to get the offers. Like I, th- I saw Minnesota out there and Tennessee and uh, you said Boston College and some schools like that. Um, like there's something there with those guys that you have to have, man. Like there's just – I don't think people understand. Like he may or may not – be good enough that he'll have the opportunity to prove that on the court I'm saying that that kid is going to show up like man um, people may not have loved the way that Devontae Gaines career ended up in Tennessee but that kid wasn't afraid of anything yeah like I, I don't subscribe to message boards in Knoxville anymore ever since I've left the beat but I do recall, you know, and again, like, and not to mention conversations I had with people on that beat. I'm like, man, there were there were times I was I was seeing people saying, "Well, why can't we? You know, we just need more guys that play with the toughness of Devontae Gaines." And I'm like, this kid's like six six, you know, ninety nine pounds, and he plays, he plays like he's six seven, two fifteen, two twenty. He was fearless. Like I remember him throwing. I can't remember if it was the Wisconsin game or. There was some game where he drove to the basketball like a fast break. And he kind of just, you know, he goes in on a guy who's like considerably bigger. And he wasn't afraid to take the contact. And so, like, guys up there, that's all they know. And so, again, if Friday comes and this kid chooses Tennessee, that's what I think the biggest biggest positive is that they're going to get a kid who is – Unafraid. Now, is it good enough? I can't speak on that. Everybody's highlights look good. I spent a whole, I spent a whole summer looking at highlights, cutting up highlights myself. Everybody's highlights look good. That's what. That's why they're called highlights. Um, but you know, is he good enough? We'll figure that out. But that kid is going to be. That kid is going to go at Kennedy Chandler because look, here's, here's another thing. He's going to make Kennedy Chandler better. Yes, exactly right. Right there, who looks at Kennedy and says, "You've got all my stuff. You're te- you're in my position." Now that sounds delusional, but that's exactly how that kid is going to look at that situation. In my opinion, he's going to look at Kennedy saying, "Is like I'm just as good as he is." Yeah, if I was, if if. If I if situations that worked out this other way, if I had just graduated my normal year in 2022, I may have been the number one point guard in the country too. That's exactly how he's going to see it, and he's going to look at it like you're the number one point guard in the country. I'm going at your head every day. You're going to have to prove it to me every day. Challenge from Memphis, <laughs> some of that same stuff. I'd be interested to see some of those practices. I'd be interested to see. Can those two guys? Yeah, I'm saying like I don't think people understand. Those are going to be battles, provided the kid ends up at Tennessee. Those are going to be battles there, because you've got a kid, you've got a kid who is again has the ranking, but also has the hunger in Kennedy Chandler, and you've got a kid who the last, I glanced at the 24/7 page. I don't see any stars. Yep. Makes, who cares? I don't. I don't care if he gets ever gets stars. That's stuff for the fans to get excited about. I don't care if he ever gets a star. Look at his offer sheet. That tells you a whole heck of a lot more about how good he is. 
how good he's perceived. Um, so again, so you've got the five-star kid over here. You've got this other kid who's just as hungry as the five-star kid. And if the five-star kid's not hungry enough, they're, they're, there's this other kid who's coming for all your stuff. So it's going to be an interesting battle. Um, again, I, I think I'm assuming Chandler's not going to lose his spot, but iron sharpens iron. And this year of going, look, even if everything goes as is expected, Chandler's the guy, getting the opportunity to go up against a kid of that caliber every single day in practice is only going to make Ziegler better going forward, too. Next exactly. year. Right, now exactly. He's got, next year he'll have a BJ Edwards to go up against every day in practice. Now it's BJ is going to be sitting there like, okay, I want your stuff. Now, again, like, you can't just assume guys are going to have positions because of star rankings. And I don't, I don't think for a second that B.J. is going to be that guy. I don't think Kennedy Chandler is going to be that guy. And I know this kid from the Bronx is not going to be that guy. So it only will make the competition in those practices that much better. In those, those pickup games, those open runs, it's only going to make it that much better for everybody involved. I also like the fact that when he got his offer from Tennessee, he retweeted a, a tweet that mentioned he got an offer and had a picture of both Tobias Harris and Allen Houston in it. So, well, that was kind of cool. I don't know if he knows who those guys are, but he might know Tobias, but I don't know if he knows who Allen Houston is. But he might, though. I mean, Houston, again, was one of the two uh, UT players that went up to New York and bought out for the Knicks. I mean, maybe he does know who, who Allen Houston is, but I'd be surprised. I don't, I'd also be surprised if he knows who Bernard, Bernard King is. So, but that was cool. But yeah, I know I think your points are spot on. And I, I mentioned earlier, you know, the competition thing, especially that I think that's like, if nothing else, like you said, he's going to have the attitude that you want from every player on your team. Like you mentioned that, you know, people always were saying that we meet, we need more Devonte gains on this team. It's in terms of, of, of work ethic and attitude. This kid's not going to, like you said, not going to take anything for granted. He's going to fight for every inch. Kenny Chandler is going to fight from every inch. And I'm with you, man. I want to see who some of these practices with these, these personalities and where these kids come from. It's going to be fun this upcoming season. Again, assuming Zakai Ziegler goes to Tennessee, which it looks like he's going to, um, that's going to be a lot of fun. I think watching, watching that, watching hopefully a, a healthy and John Fulkerson fighting for his, you know, what you assume is definite last year at Tennessee, his his fifteenth year at Tennessee. Uh, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder to go out and and you know want to actually end his career on his terms and you know end it the way he wants to end it. You're going to have guys out there fighting. I mean, I I, I think. Josiah Jordan James is going to be a good leader for this team too. Um, so he's recently also changed his number to number thirty uh, to honor his. I think it's a, it's a family number for him. Um, also, had that new jersey numbers came out for the new guys, and don't want to get all into all that. But Kenny Chandler is going to be wearing number one, which I thought was pretty cool. So you have it. You have another a zero on there as well. Um, Jonas Adu is going to wear numero zero. He's going to be the I think the first guy since, uh, well, I guess Demonte Gaines wore zero. I was going to say since Jordan Bone, but I forgot Gaines wore zero, I think, is for a year there. But uh, Lamonte Turner was, of course, the last guy that I remember wearing number one. And then you also had Josh Richardson, Jordan McCray, Tyler Smith, all those guys wearing one. And, of course, I think the first guy to wear number one for Tennessee uh, men's basketball was Vincent Yarbrough. Uh, at least looking at the, uh, the Tennessee Almanac here, he was the first guy to wear the number one for Tennessee. was old Yarbrough in 99, so... That's kind of cool. Um, anyway, so just to get on from that, I, I think you'll end up picking Tennessee, and I think you know 
if he does, we'll talk about it more when that happens. Uh, he's announcing, I want to say, at 4 o'clock Eastern time um, on Friday. I think when he said he's announcing his commitment. Let me see if I can find his tweet really quick. But I believe that's when he says he's announcing his commitment. Um, so we'll see. Tennessee may have another player. Because, I, like I said, I think he's going to be reclassifying. Yeah, on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern be reclassifying. I think I think he'll be reclassifying from the 22 class to 21 class. That'll be the third guy also who will have been reclassified from the 22 class to the 21 class for Tennessee, which that's kind of that's kind of crazy to think about. It, the reclassification stuff has been more common recently, but I can't, you know, three guys one class from one one um, team is pretty interesting to me, but we'll, we can talk a little bit more about that at a future date because I want to go back, Gene, to what we are talking about here a few minutes ago about the Memphis game, because I tell you, I could tell you're about to get on a roll. I was like, hold up, hold up. I'll come back to this and let you get on your roll. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you get back onto your roll because I, I think this this game, the upcoming season with Memphis and Tennessee, gosh, I cannot wait for that game. Uh, as we mentioned, Imani Bates commits to Memphis and the 21 class. Memphis right now has the number one class on rivals. Scooch down a few more spots, and Tennessee has the number five class on rivals. Uh, Memphis bringing in seven guys in this class. Goodness. Uh, two five-stars. Tennessee, two five-stars with uh, five guys in the class. Um, again, really cool seeing two Tennessee teams in the top five of recruiting rankings in men's basketball. I don't recall a time that's happened. Again, I, I, I guess we can go back and see. I don't know that Tennessee ever finished top five. I think six was maybe the highest they finished in the in the Bruce Pearl days when they were recruiting um, some higher-level talent back then. But I don't – and, of course, you also had Calipari back then recruiting for Memphis too, depending on when it was in, in – Pearl's tenure at Tennessee, but Gene, this is—it's it, really cool to see that. But also the fact—I mean, this Memphis-Tennessee game with Penny coming back, Penny being in Nashville, bringing in Larry Brown and, and Sheed Wallace and his staff, the the balled-up fist comments as you mentioned, the the fact that you have Kenley Chandler playing for Tennessee, Memphis kid. You have all the bad blood between fans, the bad blood between Barnes and Penny as well. Even though they they've quote unquote buried the hatchet publicly, I obviously don't think they like each other privately still um but man gene i i am so pumped for this game there, there's there's a lot of games on tennessee's schedule that you know you circle and say that's a big game that's a big game texas is, is probably the the other one besides you know obviously kentucky every year too but of the non of the non-conference games memphis and texas i think are the easy one and two for me and i think memphis it was already number one for me just because it's Memphis, but then getting Imani Bates and seeing all these other guys that Memphis is is going to have on the roster and with Penny Hardaway, like that game is going to be an all time like hype level, and and hopefully we have you know they're able to have full capacity in in arenas and stuff for the for basketball season this year because that, that that game deserves a full capacity Bridgestone because I I think it's where it's being played it's Bridgestone, but that that game deserves you know a full capacity arena um for the for the show that's going to be put on. Yeah, and I think that's from a talent perspective. I mean, you're looking at no fewer than I can make an argument that there's four first-round picks uh, that'll be playing in that game. Um, two for Tennessee uh, and two for Memphis and Monty Bates and Jalen Duran and then uh, Kennedy Chandler and Huntley Hatfield. I mean, those are four lottery picks. I mean, it's not often. It's not often that you get that at all. Like it, it yeah. in, in any 
level. You may have a team like you had the Duke team for a couple years ago that had Zion, RJ Barrett, and uh, Cam Reddish. Um, but I don't think that they played many people who had just flat out lottery picks that they went against. And to to spread to spread it out to where it's two on one side and two on the other, and all these guys have played against each other. I mean, Huntley Hatfield has gone up against these other two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like to see to see that that's special, man. Like the game, I don't even think people necessarily like. The reality is, the people who are watching that game who aren't Tennessee and Memphis fans. And I do think a lot of people are going to watch that game. I think it'll be decently rated, even being in December. Um, the people that are going to be watching that game are only going to be watching for those four people. Then, I mean, like John Fulkers could have 29 points, and they'll get it, the college basketball people will tweet about them, but nobody's going to care about that. It's just reality. I mean, I'm not, mm-hmm. not, I'm not even trying to be mean. I'm just saying... People are going to watch that game. It's, it's the equivalent of if the NBA Finals is the late this you know it's the Lakers and the Nets and uh, this year and uh, Taylor Horton Tucker has like thirty points in the game. Nobody cares about that. Nobody's going to be talking about him the next day. They're going to be talking about what LeBron did or what Durant didn't do or Russell Westbrook or, or what, whatever the case may be. Like people are going to tune in for those guys. Now you may get a couple of eyeballs. People will take notice of the fact that Fulkerson has thirty, but like that's the game that you have to. Those are the games that you get excited about because for these kids, like this stuff is like AAU to them. Like they're not they're not rattled by this stuff. They're not as rattled as we want them to be. About oh, I can't believe all the eyes that are going to watch it. Like. They're not rattled by that stuff anymore. And, and so to them, it's going to be another game. It's going to be exciting for everybody. And maybe the, you know, and the fact it's a neutral site kind of takes some of the crowd either way out of it. But I mean, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a great watch. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say that much. It's going to be a great watch because people are going to be, people are going to really have opinions about those four guys. I mean, there's probably not a situation where they guard each other. I mean, Durant's more of a post. Um, Bates is kind of a small forward who's just really tall. He can kind of play multiple positions. I've I read something where Bates is going to play some point guard for him, which would be really interesting. Um, Maybe Ben saw, Simmons out there. Yeah, no, I saw something <laughs> about they're going to try him all over the court. Um, Huntley Hatfield will have, you know, have his role, and Chandler will obviously be the point guard. He's kind of the one who uh, you can't really put them into another spot. Like they just kind of, you know, he's the one person who, hey, guess what, Kid Kennedy, your point. All right, cool, whatever. You're the ball handler. You're the primary handler. Whatever you want to call it, even if you want to take the position names out of it. So. Um, the amount of talent that you have out there, it is one of those games where somebody kind of steals the show with all the talent out there. That's, that's how these things always work out. Everybody gets excited about you know, the four main guys, and it's some random guy who's a good player, but he's not one of the four main guys, kind of steals the show. Um, and again, like that's kind of where the AAU stuff comes into play because 
what you want is to make is your for your team. Like in AAU, what you want is for your team to get to be good enough to get into the arena where all the coaches are going to be. Just like this game's gonna be a game where all the scouts are going to be. And look, maybe people kind of just roll their eyes at somebody like Fulkerson kind of going crazy and going for 30 or Lester and his short shorts. Have, is he still there? Yeah, got, I was just looking up the roster. Kenyon is and, and Little Max are both there for yeah, Memphis or, still. And I think I heard Jalen Rose kind of like making fun of, uh, <laughs> fun of him the other day. Uh, you know, when I think he, he was talking about the possibility of, of Hardaway taking the uh, penny, taking the magic job. He said he can get away from that guy with those short shorts. Uh, but maybe it's a game where that guy, you know, that guy has like twenty five or something. Because again, you've got the atmosphere is everything you want. The scouts are going to be there. They're going to be watching. And somebody like that, like Akinonis or um, Fulkerson or Josiah Jordan James or one of those guys, like he'd be a person that I would kind of keep an eye on that game because the most aggressive his freshman year that I saw him was against Memphis in Knoxville. Um, I think he, he missed a dunk early. And it was like on a fast break, and he just kind of took off. And I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, he always seemed to want to – everybody looks at him as this nice, quiet kid, always smiling, amazing kid, really nice. But we all we always seem to forget that this kid was a five-star, top 25 prospect in the country. And he always seemed if, if the if the opponent had a five star type guy out there, he always seemed to raise his level of competition. So he he would be a person that I would kind of keep an eye on. Yeah, to your point, that that game at Memphis his freshman year that was at that at that time his career high. He had fourteen points, five rebounds, three steals in that game, and a block. I think like ten or twelve of those points from the first half. I don't think he did much. Yeah, he was three of six from three in that game too. Yeah, no, he was. Like he hit a three. I remember, I recall him hitting a three, and he showed a level of emotion that I had not seen. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. I, I see it now. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, there was another team they played early in that season. That team had a five star. It may, it may have been Kentucky. It may, it may, it may not have been early, but uh, he, I think he had a game like that against Kentucky that he may not have done everything well, but he played with a level of aggression that I wasn't used to seeing. But, um, but yeah, like those are the sorts of games where, like, if you're a competitor, that's what you want. So that's why I think I've taught, I mean, I don't even know when the game is. I know it's in December, but I've taught myself into a level of excitement about it just because of all of those other factors. I mean, come on, man. I'm, I'm not a Tennessee or Memphis fan. So, I'm not. I, I don't have a rooting interest in it. Uh, like you have to find me in this day and age. My schedule is crazy. I'm. I'm always somewhere. I'm always trying to do something else. So if you're gonna get me to a TV, like you, it better be for a good reason. If you get me excited about wanting to watch something, and I, I try to detox from sports a lot at home too. So if you're gonna get me watching a watching sports. It's got to be for a good reason. And man, I'm almost hoping and praying 
that my schedule works out to where I can watch this game because this is something this gets me to the TV. I can guarantee you that. I 100% agree with you. Right now, by the way, Gene, the game is scheduled. Don't have a. I don't think they have a time for it yet, but it's December 18th on a Saturday. So I don't. They don't have a time announced for it yet, but it's December 18th. It's got Saturday. It's got two o'clock on CBS written all over it. Yeah, that that has a really yeah. You're right. That has a, a good feel of a of an afternoon game. Um, man, they they, have, they don't have too many times updated for a lot of Tennessee's games yet. We, I do know that the uh, Jimmy V Classic against Texas Tech at 7 p.m. up in Madison Square Garden. Um, but I don't think they have any other times for a lot of their other non-conference games announced, at least not according to UT's website that I'm looking at right now. Um, but yeah, man, whew, that, that, that I think you're right. That Memphis game has that has that kind of two, three, four kind of time slot written all over it because there's not going to be – I guess that will be what – early bowl games for football. It's like you don't have really college football to contend with at that point either. So that's like, that's really, that that just lines up super well for Tennessee. Uh, and for that, for a lot of that game, to get a lot of um, eyeballs on it because you're not going to have major college football to worry about. You're not going to have a whole lot of, I guess it would be Saturday. So won't really have NFL to worry about either at that point either. So um, yeah, that works out really well for Tennessee and Memphis to get a lot of eyeballs in that game. Obviously a lot of, hopefully a lot of fans in Bridgestone too. Um, Man, I, keep, I, I just keep forgetting how what looks like difficult Tennessee's uh, non-conference schedule is. But yeah, that, that Memphis and Texas, those games are the top two for me. That one's another, that Texas one I know, like we talked about before, you know, it won't have the national appeal of the Tennessee-Memphis because there won't be, like you said, like four potential first-round picks on the rosters there. But again, that Tennessee-Texas one, even as a, you know, I imagine that that one still is going to draw a lot of attention because Texas should be really good this year. Tennessee should still be, you know, a, a top 15, top 20 team for most, if not the whole season. So that will still draw plenty of attention. And that's January 29th. So that's like right at the end of January, right, right, right when college basketball is really starting to get more eyes on it going into February. That's when that game is. So that's, that's again, a really well-timed, a really well-positioned game for Tennessee to get a lot of eyeballs. There's a, they have a couple of really well-timed games this year for that. I don't, think the actual dates are set for when they're playing the SEC but we know the SEC teams with, we talked about that I think in a previous episode of uh, when they announced who all Tennessee's playing Actually, I don't actually know if we talked about that or not I, I know I posted about it on social media for both the Twitter and Facebook accounts for Vol Hoops Fever but I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast but that, that Tennessee's SEC slate looks somewhat difficult, it could be harder though um, but th- th- those dates haven't been announced for those yet but Gene, I, I, you know, this will be a shorter podcast, but I, I, I think to me that we've said basically all I wanted to say for this episode, and we're, again, kind of in the the dog days of summer, the the doldrums of of college basketball right now, but we still <laughs> had something to talk about, and it was nice because I I was fully expecting to maybe even not even do an episode this week, and I, I will say we will definitely not be doing one next week. Uh, I'm in the process of moving, we're buying a house, so. Don't give too many details away, but we are buying a house. I'm very excited about that. So we'll be moving and doing different stuff next week for that. So Gene and I, unless there's some sort of breaking news or something that happens next week, um, there will not be another episode of Vol Basketball Fever podcast next week. So you'll have this one this week. Uh, maybe another kind of surprise one with an interview or something here soon, but we'll see. But there will not be a new episode next week. So, And also that's the opening weekend I guess really opening week of college football, Gene, because Tennessee plays on Thursday, and so does uh, the TV cover, UTC, both playing on Thursday, September 2nd. So I want to give kind of, you know, a little break there. Gene's got to cover 
a lot of football for that week, so we'll give him a little bit of a break to go do that. Give Y'all will probably obviously be hearing a lot more about football next week than basketball for, for the majority of you. So just take a little week off there. We'll be back again that following week, that, that sec- the actual first full week of September. We should be back um, to doing the podcast there. So this will be your last episode possibly last episode for uh, you know uh, uh, I guess a couple weeks here but I do want to thank you all for tuning in to this episode again Tennessee looks like they could be adding another player to the roster and that would fill out the rest of the roster spots all their scholarship spots for the um, this upcoming season so then unless someone transfers midseason or something like that then your your scholarship spots are full um, and then again talking about Memphis Tennessee playing each other this year because Imani Bates commits to, to Memphis. They have him, they have Jalen Duran, they have returning guys like Le- like Quinones, like Lomax. Um, really good star set of cast there. And then bring in some transfers and bring in some good recruits um, on their side as well along with Tennessee. That game's going to be exciting. Looking forward to more news and stuff coming out from Tennessee here in the next few weeks. We'll cover it as it happens. But signing off for Gene, I'm Nathaniel, and this has been another episode of the Vault Basketball Fever Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Subscribe to the show so you'll never miss another episode. 